0: My grandmother, during a period of her life, did not have the right to vote. The law in Texas was that idiots, imbeciles, the insane, and women could not vote. And less than one generation later, I was the governor of Texas. Now that will tell you that we have progressed turning outrage into outcomes this is the texas blue action podcast
1: good afternoon everybody and welcome back to the texas blue action podcast i'm lana hansen and i am here today with mike collier who is running to be the Democratic nominee for Texas for Lieutenant Governor, and we are so excited to have you here today. Mike, welcome.
0: Thank you, Lana. I'm delighted to be here.
1: And right before we hopped on, we were talking about how busy your schedule has been, but I just want to say congratulations because you also shared that you have become a grandfather in that time. I I can't imagine how exciting that is during this crazy busy schedule that you have. I hope uh, you're finding some time to spend some time with that baby.
0: Well, yes, I am busy, but others do all the work. Uh, Having been a parent, (laughs) I know how much work is involved and so my son and daughter-in-law are working very hard but no this is my first grandchild and we're absolutely delighted and she's a beautiful little girl and I'll be honest with you it tells me that we have to win when I think about the world that she's going to be raised in and the state she's going to be raised in Um, you asked me earlier whether I was still holding up energy wise I'm more energetic than I've ever been boy the work we're in is so important and I am not going to let my little granddaughter down
1: that's amazing and really exciting to hear and, and isn't it funny how that, you know, happens. Like these perspectives and the the big events that happen in our life really make us zoom out and say, Hey, you know, what are we doing here and how can we make it better? And and, and one of the reasons I reached out and wanted to talk to you today was, you know, not only as the executive director of Texas Blue Action and having the same goals to elect better leadership in Texas, but also as a mom of two young kids in elementary school. And, you know, I've seen you speak to the importance of of public education and, and wanted to talk to you a little bit more about that because when I got on your website and looked at your platform, it was one of the number one issues
0: that was listed. Oh yeah, of course,
1: of course. And you know, we've seen this crazy rhetoric, we're seeing all of these um, things happening in our public schools and our school board races. And um, I would love to hear more about your plan to support our public schools, our teachers and and, um, what you would wanna do if you become the Lieutenant Governor.
0: Well, thank you, thank you very much, Lana. Yes, it's very, very important to me and uh, in a world where the crises and distractions seem to be adding up and accumulating. Part of my job is to make sure, let's don't forget the importance of public education. Uh, It's always number one with me. If we don't get education right, we won't get anything right. I think we have a moral obligation to all of our young people to give them a fighting chance at success. And I cherish the professionals, the teachers, the moms and dads who are devoted to excellence in public education. And I would love to see the state get behind them for once. I mean, the reason why I got involved in uh, politics in the first place, years ago, was to bring some transparency to our funding situation because if we don't have enough money for our schools, we cannot pay our teachers properly. We cannot secure their retirement. We cannot have small class sizes. We, don't, we, won't, we can't afford to have special education teachers, which are so important, and counselors, and all the other things. And that's what motivated me to get involved in the first place. My passion is undiminished. And I am very, very focused on public education. And I want to emphasize public education, traditional public schools, because that's where the students are. 5.5 million students, 90% of them in the public schools. We have to get that right. And I have been and will always be the undisputed champion of our public schools and everybody associated with it.
1: Well, and I love that about you. I love that about your campaign. And, you know, I think one of the things that we need to talk about, too, is that the massive growth of Texas, right? We've become a jobs mecca. We've become an area where people are moving in in droves. And so uh, we have to have a public school system that are gonna support all of those people that are moving here, right? And so let's talk about that funding. Let's talk about your plan and how to ensure that we properly fund our schools.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you raised that. Uh, And if we only have 20 minutes, there is a risk. I'll I'll consume (laughs) the entire 20 minutes with a discourse on public education. So I'll keep it simple and then you can tell me what additional places to dive into. But you know, first of all, I'd like to say that I make my living um, in the financial world as a financial accountant. I solve complicated financial problems. I diagnose problems and then come back to my clients and say, here's how you solve them. And when I saw that we cut public education, this was a decade ago when we cut public education because the Republicans in the legislature said we didn't have money. I didn't believe them. I didn't know anything about state funding, but I didn't believe them. And uh, so when I began to diagnose the problem, I could see precisely why it is that we don't have enough money for schools. And the time is right to have an honest conversation because you can't solve a problem that you aren't talking about honestly. Now, let me just sort of lay the groundwork for what needs to happen to the state and why we don't. We never have money for public education, and you cannot trust Dan Patrick and that party when they say that they're going to do right, which they do about every four years. I predict in two or three months they're going to start talking about teachers and teacher pay. You can't believe them. Here's the basics. So public education is a joint venture between local and state. The local money comes from property taxes and the state money comes from a lot of places but not property taxes. So it's state versus local, property taxes plus whatever the state comes up with. Year after year after year after year, property values go up, property values go up, the taxes that we pay as homeowners go up as if it happens magically. Nobody takes responsibility for it. We just pay more and more and more and more. And so the state says, wow, isn't this cool? We're just gonna pay less and less and less and less and less, deliberately shifting the burden onto homeowners. Now, why does that matter? Well, first of all, people don't like to get ripped off. And we're being ripped off as homeowners. But when you think about education funding, we know we need to put more money into it. We have to give teachers a raise. They haven't had a raise in 10 years when you consider inflation we have to shore up the uh, retirement plan. We have to have smaller class sizes and do the other things that I mentioned. And if you go back to homeowners and say, we're gonna take that money out of your pocket, they're going to say no. And we're not ever gonna get anywhere, which is why Dan Patrick never gets anywhere. He makes these promises that he knows that he can't keep.
1: Right. And, and to that point, Mike, I think, you know, that a lot of parents would love to give more and more, but they can't. We are oh, in a right. point where our property taxes are displacing so many people that have le- lived in Texas for a long time. So, so, oh, it, so I bad. think, you know, yeah. that, that a lot of it isn't just that parents like myself don't want to. It's that we're finding ourselves in a situation where that's getting more and more challenging.
0: Oh, of course. Of course. And so the way we solve the problem, Lana, is that we go to this side of the equation, the state side of the equation, and solve the revenue problems at the state level, which Dan Patrick will not do. He will never do that because the problem lies with the large corporations who write huge checks to politicians and get what they want. And that is wrong, wrong, wrong. And so you'll see, if I'm elected lieutenant governor and we have an honest conversation, you'll find Democrats and independents and Republicans alike saying, why hadn't anybody told me this? Why are they doing this? This isn't right, and we need to fix it. And that's the power of this candidacy, and that's why I'm working very, very hard to win. And then we can start solving these problems. We can't solve them until we have that honest conversation.
1: Well, and I agree 100%, and and again, that's why I'm so grateful to you speaking out about this because you know as parents, education for our children is one of the most important things. It doesn't matter what side of the aisle that you're on. And to your point, we can't solve any of the issues that are happening in our schools if we do not have the funding to do so. So while we're talking about this, let's t- I'd love to hear your perspective on two things. Um, we know that a lot of funding is going to charter schools, which is, is funding a, a, you know, a separate stream of, of money for public education um, and recapture. Which is another conversation that, that parents get really concerned about. My property taxes that I'm paying that are hefty are not going to my child's district. Um, so talk to me about your plan to address those two funding issues.
0: Yeah, well, first, first let me talk about recapture, um, and then we'll come to the other question. So recapture, you know, the, 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 sometimes it's referred to as Robin Hood, but it was designed many, many, many years ago. And the, the idea is that you have some property-rich districts and you have some property-poor districts, and the property poor districts need a little bit of help. So we're going to take a little bit of money from the property rich districts, property taxes, run it through the state, and then send it over to the property poor districts. It was never perfect. It was never universally approved of, but it wasn't a big number. And it and it solved a problem that we had at that time. And the first year that we had Robin Hood, the total amount that was collected from local property taxes was about $134 million. Now it's $3 billion. Dollars And it has grown much, much more rapidly than population and inflation. If that $134 million had just grown with population and inflation, it would be at least a billion less than it is today. And what that means is, and this goes back to what I said earlier, the legislature is what, and it's driven by appraisals that go up and up and up that creates these tremendous distortions in everything. You're, you're sitting in Austin, Texas, Lana. I'm passing through Austin today on my way out west. But in Austin, 50%, of all of the property taxes collected for schools doesn't go to the school. It goes to the state. And because they have neglected the impact, the distorting impact of appraisals going up and up and up, all Dan Patrick and the gang do is see all this cash rolling in out of homeowners' pockets and say, wow, this is fabulous. I'm going to use that money to do the state's job.
1: Yeah, and I know you know this, but as a property owner here in Texas, our recent valuation of our homes, I mean, mine went up $300,000 this past year. So what that's going to do to our, our tax bill is, is crazy, right? And then to know that so much of that money, and, and I absolutely support a Robin Hood type of program. I want districts that don't have funding to have funding in the same way I want our district to have funding, right? I just right. think that, that, that it's unbalanced right now, to your point. Well,
0: oh, there's no question. I think the most important thing when it comes to taxes, in a broad sense, is it has to be fair and people have to feel like they're getting value for their money. The vast majority of Texans wanna have great public schools and they're willing to step up to the plate, but they don't wanna get ripped off in the process. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what's happening because the system that funds schools is unfair, deliberately favors the large corporate interests. And uh, it's because it's just been so easy to just let property skyrocket. And then just, it's as if it's it's a crime without a criminal and that isn't right. And I wanna share something with you. If anybody's listening and they have their doubts about this you can go into the budget itself i discovered this when i was running for lieutenant governor four years ago and we talked about this all over the state it's in black and white where when they develop the budget they first say they send economists out and they say how much more money is going to come in property taxes are going to property values are going to go up and therefore property taxes are going to go up because we can predict what's happening in the economy so here's how much more money is coming in from property owners and then they figure out the state budget and figure out how much less money they're going to put in. And they've been doing this for years. And that's therein is the rub. And, and until we have a lieutenant governor who's honest and know what he's talking about. And by the way, nobody has ever said I'm wrong. I mean, I've been talking about this for a ran for against Dan Patrick four years ago. I'm running against him now. I haven't shut up. I've been talking about this for even since even before I ran for lieutenant governor. No one has ever said I was wrong. In fact, Dan Patrick in the last campaign wouldn't debate me. Told everybody Mike doesn't understand finance. Horse hockey. I get it. He's the one who doesn't understand finance or he's lying.
1: Do you think that it's their ultimate goal is to defund public education in Texas? I mean, do you think that they're intentionally making it hard on districts?
0: I think there's no question about it. I think they're I think the Republicans uh, envision a two, a two tier system where you have private and charter and we're going to come to charter in a minute where you have private and charter which kind of do their own thing. There's a lot of ideology behind why they want to do that. And then they want a second class system for everybody else, which is public schools. And that isn't right. And when I travel the state, and maybe we pivot now to to charter, when I travel the state and talk to folks in public schools, I hear all the time, the charter school is hollowing out our school. And it isn't right. The playing field isn't level. What they expect from the administration and the teachers in charter schools is very different from what we have to do and what public schools must rise to the occasion. So when it comes to charter schools, I'll tell you, I'm a tough customer. I will be a very, very tough customer. I'm not saying that all charter schools are bad, but I intend to be the toughest customer that we've had in Texas politics. I'll even stand out in terms of being a tough customer amongst elected officials in my own party. And we're gonna have a really sharp eye on what's fair and what's right. You will find, Lana and me, I'm not going to be a champion for charter schools. I'm not going to be a champion for private schools. I will be the undisputed champion for public schools, and it's time we had that in Texas.
1: I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think that um, as a parent again, who you know is in the public school system and, and will proudly remain in the public school system, um, you know, it matters to me that they're not held to the same standards that our schools are, but they're receiving the same amount of funding or more um that matters to me it it also matters to me that it is taking away this opportunity of the great equalizer that is public education and pitting districts against each other if we had all of the resources in our public school system that are going into the charter school system right now we wouldn't have a number of the issues that we're currently having right because there's no there's
0: no there's no question about it i think this whole idea and you see this in dan patrick in spades uh Vilifying public schools, vilifying teachers, vilifying everything to do with public schools, trying to turn public opinion against public schools so that then he can have the political strength to have this two-tier system, uh, okay. as I discussed earlier. And I think that's morally wrong. I think it's very bad for the state. Uh, and, uh, and I have a feeling, and, you know, I came close to beating him in 2018 because Texans are on my okay. side on this. They're on my yeah. side on this, particularly when you get out into East and West Texas where I did quite well, where the public schools are a very important part of the community, and that's a great thing. I mean, if you want to have something that's an important part of your community, you'd want it to be an institution of education with libraries and the arts and sports and athletics and all the wonderful things that it does for a community.
1: Well, not only are they you know, community hubs in, in rural Texas, but they're also one of the biggest employers you know, in a lot of these communities, and they don't have school of choice. I mean, I live here in Central Texas where we have an abundance of charters or privates and public schools. In a lot of these communities and other parts of Texas, the public school system is the option. And so, you know, it's important to them that, that they're able to, you know, have a good situation for their children.
0: Yeah, that's right. And I would say I have yet to see any evidence to suggest a charter school is better than a public school. Or even that a private school is better than a public school, particularly the newly created ones. And so, no, 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 I think it comes down to public education. And You know, I, I read with some distress stories about parents and the lines forming. I want to get into a charter school. The, the, the line to get into a charter school is 300,000 students long. Well, if we have the right lieutenant governor with the right mindset and aspiration, we'll have a line forming to get into the public schools. That's the way we should approach this
1: i love that and i think it's so important and and i know it's what texans want to hear right now i mean we're seeing so much craziness happening around our schools and and what the republicans are talking about with crt and you know pornographic books in our libraries and and you name it you know they're waging war in any way they can to try to bring their all ideology into these systems and and it just it's not oh i completely
0: agree i completely agree They're 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 Poisoning every well and poisoning every aquifer. I mean, I my personal opinion is that they feel like that's what they need to do to get elected, is to pit one Texan against another, and they'll ruin whatever they need to. They'll poison whatever they need to. They've turned their attention to school boards, school districts, and I'm very, very, very concerned about that. Um, and so, you know, we'll see how that plays out. I mean, I don't think the lieutenant governor should dictate terms. I believe in local control. I, I believe mm-hmm. in local control, but, you know, we need accountability, and, I, you know, I'm hopeful that we might make we might elect some i mean republicans are pretty good at funding these races and getting people angry and fired up and hateful but it's bad policy it results in bad policy and you see that immediately at the school district level at the local government level and I, my expectation is there's a self-correcting mechanism in local government if you do a bad job you get fired and so if we hire folks that don't do a good job i don't think they'll last very long at all i have faith in voters I have faith in moms who will take action to make sure, and then what they need in the Lieutenant Governor is somebody who's a partner and a friend who will listen, stand with them and get behind them so collectively with the parents and the Lieutenant Governor and all the interested politicians, and I hope they all become very interested, uh, work together to have great public schools.
1: Yep. And I think that that's the path that we're on, or I'm hopeful that that's it. And so. I want to pivot just for a second to something that's happened this week that was also mentioned on your website as one of your top priorities but you know the draft that was leaked in regards to roe v wade um, from the supreme court and 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 talk you know your website mentioned that you know you would fight for um the our constitutional rights you know talk to me about your views there and, and your plans in regard to uh, protecting abortion access for texans
0: i stand for a woman's right to choose I think it's a woman's decision, and uh, I do not support the direction that we're going in Texas or now with that Supreme Court ruling, uh, with that judgment. I think it's wrong. I think it's bad policy, and I'm going to fight very, very hard to protect a woman's right to choose. Only a woman can make that decision. Uh, a bunch of men, a bunch of men, and it's mostly men sitting in the legislature, cannot make that decision.
1: The data is showing that only 30% of Americans support this anyway.
0: No, that's you know, right. I mean, I think minority uh, our poli-
1: Americans that that, that support um, overturning Roe v. Wade. And so, uh, you know, that that's true here in Texas, too. It, it, it's a minority population that is supporting these types of policies.
0: Yeah, no, that's right. No, that it's wrong. I mean, I, it falls under the heading of freedom. You know, I'm very proud to be a Democrat. Democrats fight for freedom. We have always fought for freedom. And now more than anything else. And when I think about. The women in the state and anyone who is, you know, experiencing pregnancy and reproduction issues and the decisions that you have to make should be free to make them and keep the legislature out of them. I'm very worried. Now, let's talk about the, the, I mean, I'm not an attorney. I read parts of it, but I'm not going to try to comment on whether or not it ultimately will find its way, you know, into an ultimate decision. I'm hopeful that the ultimate decision will not be what we read the night before last, I mean, that was a real gut punch. But I will say this, we have to be realistic about this. There's no question that there's a pattern in American politics driven by Republicans where protecting our rights, not just a woman's right, which is so important, but our right to vote and our right to marry and and our right to free speech, the protection of our rights, which for my entire lifetime, we depended on the Supreme Court enforcing the Bill of Rights. Those protections are now devolving to the states. And you read that in this draft report from uh, Alito. And there's no question that that's the sentiment of the Republican Party. Well, if local officials become the protectors of our rights, we better elect local officials who believe in freedom. And those are Democrats. And I think when I think about the importance of this election cycle and when I think specifically about Dan Patrick, the, the Lieutenant Governor has tremendous power and influence over the legislature. And if we have a lieutenant governor that, that trods on our rights, steps on our rights, and you see it, he's the worst when it comes to a woman's right to choose, when it comes to your ability to live and love the way you want to and marry the person that you want to, when it comes free speech, when it comes to the right to vote and have your voice heard, I think Dan Patrick is the worst that we've ever seen. He is trampling on those rights. And if, if the protection of our rights is going to devolve to state government, we've got to get rid of Dan Patrick.
1: I couldn't agree more. I mean, and, you know, w- what we know is that they're coming for all of those rights that you just mentioned, right? Roe and overturning it is just the golden trophy that's going to give them the opportunity to accomplish more of their agenda. And and to that point, Mike, Dan Patrick has already said that a number of his priorities for the 2023 legislation fall in line with that, uh, g- going further into attacking abortion rights, um, coming after... Um, our public schools, uh, furthering the agenda against trans rights, and so tell me, if you're elected in November, what's going to be your agenda for the 2023 legislative session?
0: Well, I can tell you, first of all, we have to undo some of the terrible things that were done recently, Um, and uh, a woman's right to choose is at the very top of the list, and even if we didn't have this situation with the Supreme Court, we still would have to deal with this vigilante six-week rule which is wrong. So there's a lot that happened just in this last session that has to be reversed and tended to. Um, we haven't talked about guns, but permitless carry is very very bad policy. Uh, yes. this vilifying trans kids as they've done is morally reprehensible. So the first order of business is to do the dam is to undo the damage that was done in the last legislative session to our freedom and to our individual liberty in this state and the right to vote. We have to we have to solve those problems immediately. Then when we look beyond that and we think of longer term policy, we have to fund public education. And we just discussed that at length, but it, we must always say that because it's very, very important. Teachers need to be so delighted that they made the decision to teach. They have to feel great about their compensation, their right to feel terrible about their compensation because they haven't had a raise in 10 years. Retirement that they can count on, no teach to the test, smaller class sizes, so that'll be very, very important we have to fix a broken property tax system. We've talked about that at length. That'll be very very important work and uh, we can talk about how the lieutenant governor can af- actually influence that outcome. We have to fix the damn grid because yes. the grid is not fixed and uh, we could <laughs> have another winter so storm. So many
1: things. So many things. You're going to have your water. work cut out for you.
0: It's going to be a big job. I can tell you when I travel the state and I asked, and I asked, you know, I talked to Democrats but not just Democrats. I talk to Democrats, I talk to Independents, I talk to Republicans, I talk to Texans, I talk to fellow Americans here in Texas. And you ask the question, is the state better now than it was four years ago? Are we feel better about our Constitution and our individual liberties? Are things fair around here? Do we have hope for the future and our children's future? Is it better now than it was four years ago? The answer is no, no, no. And the solutions to these problems are quite obvious. And it starts with getting rid of Dan Patrick
1: that's right i think so many people uh, don't understand the importance of the lieutenant governor position and so you know in and, and, and the person that's sitting in that seat how much power they have over the policies of our state and what happens in our legislature and so i applaud you for standing up and running for this office i'm so thrilled to have the opportunity to vote for you and i'm really thankful that you took the time to talk with me today thank
0: you thank you Um,
1: and i think we're gonna see you friday in el paso for all of you that are listening blue action is getting ready to launch a chapter out in el paso we'll be flying out there and having a big launch party on Friday night and so we hope to see you there if you live in those neck of the woods and you'll have the opportunity to talk to Mike a little further if you can make it.
0: I'll be there. I'm driving out. I'm driving out. All
1: right. Out. Driving and, uh, with, out. You're, you're going to have a
0: great We're going to make some stops along the way to see fellow Texans and then we'll be in El Paso. Yes. I can't wait. I can't wait.
1: Fantastic. Well, we're looking forward to seeing you and thank you for everybody who joined us today um, and uh, we'll see you all again real soon.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the Texas Blue Action podcast. Texas Blue Action is founded on progressive grassroots action, focused on year-round neighborhood organizing and committed to building sustainable democratic infrastructure in Texas. We turn out the voters that the Texas GOP fears the most. Production by me, Chris Mosier. Theme music generously provided by James McMurtry. Join Texas Blue Action at blueactiondems.com and also on Twitter and Facebook.